0: Welcome everyone, my name is Darren Snow and I am the senior pastor at Crossroads Community Church in Aurora, Illinois and I am so glad that you are joining us in our series on the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus called Walking in the Light. Hey, we want to welcome you if you are visiting with us. For those of you that are watching us online, my name is Darren Snow, I'm the senior pastor here at Crossroads, and we're just so glad that you are here. And when I say we're in the home stretch now, I really mean we're in the home stretch. Uh, this is week number 25 of a 26 week series on the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul's A Letter to the Church at Ephesus, what we have entitled Walking in the Light. And next week, we're going to wrap it all up. Pastor Caleb is going to wrap it up, put a nice, beautiful bow on it. So we invite you to come to be a part of the conclusion of what has been, I think you will agree, an incredible series. Now, while next week may be the finale of the series, today is really the finale of, and we've had a couple of these throughout this series, a series within a series. And this is going to be the third and final week where we have been talking about the reality of spiritual warfare, as kind of intimidating as that may sound. Uh, Spiritual warfare, what Paul says, the battle that all Christians, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, you are in uh, the battle literally uh, against Satan and his minions, the forces of evil. And one of the things that we've learned the last couple of weeks, really going back two weeks ago, is that the spiritual realm, and we are in essence spiritual beings, but the spiritual realm greatly affects the physical realm. Um, and so many of the things that we deal with, not all, but many of the, the realities and the conflicts that we deal with uh, in this life are due to the spiritual battle. Now, while that may seem intimidating, we're talking about you know, going in the spiritual battle against Satan and, and his minions and, and all of this kind of thing. But, but, saints, listen, we do not walk in fear. We, we, we're aware of the reality of the battle that we're in, but we do not walk in fear. Why? Well, because Jesus, uh, in his goodness and in his mercy, does not send us out into the battlefield empty-handed. But rather, as we started talking about last week, as we'll talk about again this morning, we go out in the strength of the armor of God himself, who has given us uh, this armor, so that we can walk out uh, prepared uh, for the realities of of the Christian life and the battle that we are in. Uh, the Apostle Paul here in Ephesians chapter six gives us six pieces. Excuse me uh, of this armor. Caleb got the conversation going last week, and he introduced us to the first three pieces of that armor, and we'll see if you can remember those. The first was the belt of truth. The belt of truth is the first one. Uh, there we go. How many of you walked around last week holding up that belt like Caleb did last week? It was a great illustration. Belt doesn't do us any good if we're just holding on to it. we got to strap that baby on, and that pulls everything together. The second was the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. And then number three was the gospel or the shoes of peace. So that's where we were last week today. uh, We're going to look at the final three pieces of the armor that God gives to us. And then also we're going to look at a not-so-secret weapon, uh, a piece of that armor that God gives to us that really is going to pull it all together. So that's what we're going to be doing today. So if you have your Bibles, and I certainly hope that you do, you can turn or tap now right back to Ephesians chapter 6, if you're visiting with us, we've, we've gone through, or will by next week, all 155 verses, all six chapters. We finished it with verse 15 last week. That means you know where we're going to pick it up. We're going to be going through verses 16 through 20. So here we are, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16 says this. In all circumstances, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. With which you can extinguish all of the flaming darts. Arrows would also be a synonym for that. With which you can extinguish all of the flaming darts. Of who? Of the evil one. Which again just underscores that we are in a battle literally with Satan himself. And so the fourth part of our armor uh, is the shield of faith. The shield of faith. Now, let's talk a little bit, if we can, about Roman shields. So let me give you a little bit of context. Uh, In in the Roman army back in that time, some 2,000 years ago, there were two different kinds of shields. There was a smaller shield, and then there was a larger one, and this is the one that the Apostle Paul is talking about. I've got a picture of one for you. Uh, This shield, as you can see, uh, about four foot high, about two and a half feet wide, and it was large enough literally to cover a man. All right, literally large enough to cover a man. Uh, Those shields in that day were made out of wood and leather and linen. And before the battle would begin, if you were a Roman foot soldier with that shield, you would soak that shield in water. Why would you soak that shield in water? To put out the flaming darts or the flaming arrows of the enemy, which was very common in warfare in that time. Uh, How many of you have seen? Some of you have seen it 10,000 times, like I have. How many of you have seen the movie Gladiator? Like 10,000 times. That, that could be on like TNT or some random you know, station, and you're going there, and you can't help yourself, you've got to go to Gladiator. Well, there's this great, uh, probably one of the greatest opening scenes in all of you know, film history, that battle scene at the very beginning of Gladiator. And if you remember now, all of the archers are standing there, and one of the guys comes and pours pitch or tar something right in front of them. Then they light it as the battle is about to begin. That's true. And then what would the archers do? They would take their arrows. They would put them down. The arrow would be flaming. They would draw back, and they would shoot that arrow. And so if you're a Roman infantryman, and and the Gauls are shooting arrows at you, what are you going to do with that shield? You're going to take that great big shield, four feet high, two and a half feet high, and you would get down along with everyone else in your company, and that's what you're going to use. And that's why you would uh, uh, take water, and you would douse them with water to put out the flaming darts of the enemy. Well, God has given to us a shield, and it's not made of wood or leather. It's obviously a spiritual shield. Our shield is the shield of faith, the shield of faith. Now, let's be very, very specific. What is faith? Well, the classic definition of faith goes right back to Hebrews 11. Many of you know this very, very well. The writer of Hebrews says this. Now, faith, so there's our shield. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for And it is the conviction of things not seen. So God gives to us this shield of face as defensive cover for when the flaming arrows of the evil one, and I'm going to throw this in here, uh, not simply the, the flaming arrows of the spiritual battle of the evil one, but I would also say just the flaming arrows of life. When they come at us, we pull out that shield of faith. Uh, of faith excuse me, and, and let's make no mistake, and I think you'll agree with this, it's not when the flaming arrows, uh, excuse me, not if the flaming arrows are coming. It's only when. This is a day-to-day reality in the life of a believer. Now, that kind of begs a simple little question, and maybe you're thinking this. What are those flaming arrows? What are these flaming arrows? guy? How much time do we have? I mean, I wrote down just a few here. Uh, uh, fear. Based upon what may have, have transpired in your life in days gone by, or maybe you're going through it right now. Um, bitterness. Anger. Hey, here's one. Just everyday temptations. How many flaming arrows of temptation do we deal with on a day-to-day basis? More than a few. So temptations, illness, Profound sorrow from the things that happen in life that, that can rock our faith, that can challenge our faith, that can challenge our confidence. Now, here's one uh, I mean, I struggle with um, just uh, the, the flaming arrows of guilt and shame from days gone by, from decisions gone by that the, the evil one wants to chirp in our ears. Bad decisions, things that we have done in the past that we wish that we could change. And, and, and saying that list goes on and on. All of these are the darts, are the arrows of the realities of life and also the realities of the spiritual battle. And so, saints, not if, but when they come, we pull out that shield of faith and we stand. We stand in faith. We stand with faith. And saints, we stand on the things that we know to be true. What do you know to be true? Especially in in the context of what we're talking about. Here are the things that we know to be true. First of all, we know to be true that there is a God. And we know to be true um, that our God is good even beyond our circumstances. And what we also know, especially in the context of Ephesians chapter 6, what we know is that we stand in faith and that the war has already been won. So saints, we're not not fighting. The the war has been won. We're in the battle. And we're in that battle until either we breathe our last or until Jesus comes back. And by the way, if I have a vote, Jesus can come back today, all right? That's a sermon for another day. But we stand uh, with with that shield, uh, and and, and it gives us uh, this confidence and security. We're not fighting for victory, but rather we are fighting from victory. Do you see the difference? The war has been won, but the battle rages on and on. The Apostle John said this in John, 1 John 5. He said, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. So if you've been born of God, that, that's a spiritual birth. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. It's the faith that he gives to us. Man, We, we, don't, we don't pull up faith on our own. That is something that God gives to us via the Holy Spirit the shield of faith. So when the, the, the darts and the arrows, the realities of life and the battlefield come out, we stand firm with that shield. Let's go down to verse 17. He says, and take the helmet of salvation. And take the helmet of salvation. So the fifth piece of our armor is right there, the helmet of salvation. There were two types of Roman helmets. Let me give you this. Uh, the first one was called the Galea. I had to do a little bit of research on this one. And it was a leather helmet. And then the one that was worn primarily in battle was called the Cassus, and it was made of metal. Many of you have seen these even in the old you know, Roman movies or whatever. And for a Roman soldier, no, uh, no uniform was complete without it. That helmet gave a couple of things. First of all, it gave... Uh, safety slash security, when you you put that helmet on and things are going all around you in the middle of the battle, so it, it gave security. But the other thing that it gave to that Roman soldier, in addition to security, was confidence. And I really want to underscore this, was confidence. When that Roman soldier put on his dress kit, his battle kit, and before he picked up that sword, which we're going to get there Uh, to that in just a moment, the last thing that he would put on would be that helmet. And there he is, a Roman soldier, the greatest fighting force in the world at that time. And I assure you, when he put that helmet on, ready to go out into battle, he was supremely confident of victory, that they were going to win that battle. Now, saints, stay with me, because this is exactly what the helmet of salvation was brings to us confidence and security and those two are connected and those two feed on each other the helmet of salvation brings us confidence and security saints confidence in our salvation oh saints confidence that God has in fact done for us what we could never ever ever do for ourselves. What is that? He has saved us. And we talk about, if you're visiting with us this morning, we talk about this all the time. The world says what? You want to get to the good place, do what? Be a good person. And scripture blows that to smithereens. What scripture says, and this is the bad news, the bad news is that on our best day, we could never, ever, ever earn our way into the presence of a perfect, holy, and just God. It could never be done. That's the bad news. The good news is God the Father sent God the Son to do for us what we could never do for ourselves, and that is to pay the price for our sin so that we can come into relationship with him. By the blood of Jesus, we are saved. Thus, saints, our, 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 our future is secure. It doesn't matter what life may throw at us. And let me tell you, life is, is life not really good at throwing curveballs that we never saw coming at us? Right, Ed? The things you never see coming. Life has a way of doing that. And so when those curveballs come our way, we are secure in Christ for all of eternity. And when we understand that we are secure in Christ for all of eternity, that gives us what? Confidence. We're confident in our security in him because we are secure. We have confidence. Do you see how those are connected? And I was trying to do my best to give you some incredible illustration about this confidence. And the best that I could come up with is not only do we have confidence, but we have 85 bear confidence. (laughs) (laughs) Let me do the math for you. This is going to be bittersweet, Dave. You're a hardcore bear fan. I did the math, it's been 38 years. Oh, I know, don't remind you, but that's my job to keep you humble. <laughs> 38 years. And even for people who are not Bear fans, really, even for people who aren't football fans, the great majority of people, they know about the 85 Super Bowl champion Bears. And, and, and Saints, listen, you talk about confidence. For those of you old enough to have been around her in 85, you want to talk about confidence? I know that kills you as a Packer fan, Diane. Diane's dying over here. But I think even Diane, she, she, would, she would agree. When that 85 team walked out onto that field, they were confident. They were about to kick some bootay. Can I say bootay? <laughs> and here's the thing. Not only did they know it, but the opposition, the other team knew it. It breaks my heart to say this, but I assure you, my beloved Dallas Cowboys knew it in that day. Why? Because that's an actual, I had that as a kid. 44 to, I'm still in therapy. Over that beatdown, 44 to nothing by the Chicago Bears that year. It took a lot of humility to throw that up there for you guys to laugh at that. Okay? Saints, so what I'm trying to get to is life is hard. And also, life is hard, we know that. Oh my gosh. But it doesn't matter what life throws. And, and I'm not minimizing the hardships in life. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But it doesn't matter what life throws because ultimately, in Christ, we're confident. Ultimately, in Christ, we are secure. Ultimately, in Christ, because of the helmet of salvation. It gives us a confidence and a security to stay in the game. I want you to think about this tomorrow morning when you're going out to the realities of life, the whole armor, but you put on that helmet of salvation and be confident and secure in who you are in Christ. Let's go to the second part there of verse 17. Okay. The helmet of salvation, and he says this, and take the sword of the Spirit. Notice capital S, that's the Holy Spirit. And the sword of the Holy Spirit, which is, which is the Word of God. So that sixth piece of our armor, the sword of the Spirit. All right, let me give you one last little bit of cultural context. The Roman sword that the Apostle Paul is talking about here was called a machera. A machera, And it was a double-edged sword. Got a picture of it there? See, it's a double-edged sword. It's sharp on both sides. And that sword was used in close combat. When that soldier was face-to-face with the enemy, when, when, when he was in the middle of the battle and it was getting thick, when his life was on the line, I can't even imagine what, what it would have been like to be in, in, in a battle in that time, in the middle of it. But he, he was right in the middle of it, face to face with the enemy. He was pulling out that machera. He was pulling out that double-edged short sword. Saints, listen to me. Okay? If you've been a Christian really for any amount of time, it, it, and I'll be the first to say this it's so easy for us to almost take this armor for granted and, and sometimes to even forget about it I, I say that carefully but you I mean I'm a Christian for many many years it's it's easy to forget these things and, and specifically it's easy to forget or or, or somewhat take for granted uh, over or to overlook that that God Himself has given to us not simply a sword, He has given to us the sword. And oh, what a sword it is! It is His own words of life, and it is words of truth. And you hear people say all the time, oh, the Bible, just an old book that was written, you know, a bazillion years ago by a bunch of men. It was just, listen, Paul said in what, 1 Timothy 3, that all Scripture is what? It's God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. Written by the hands of men, yes. But those hands of those men were literally supernaturally guided as they wrote those words. All scripture is God-breathed. And is useful for what teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. And woman, oh by the way, equipped for every good work. The words of life. The words of truth. Our beloved Bible. And saints, when you take a look at these six different pieces of armor, biblical scholars will be quick to note that this is the only one, the sword of the Spirit, that is used on offense. Now, doesn't mean that the word is not incredibly useful for defense. Because I don't know about you, but when those flaming arrows of the evil one, the flaming darts of of just life or coming, man. I want to have that shield in one hand, and you know, <laughs> and I want to I want to have that sword the other. You know, they're coming with one, and you're fighting them off. You know, kind of like Obi Wan Kenobi or whatever it was. You know, with the <laughs> lightsaber, and you got both of them going. So we use it defensively as well. I tell you, with the sword of the spirit, armed with the armor that God has given to us, we advance. We move. Forward, and here I'll use this word again, we move forward with confidence. The sword of the Spirit gives us us confidence not only for what's going on in our own lives, even as crazy as life may be. But the sword also gives us confidence when God gives us the opportunities, when he opens up the doors for us to share our faith. See, one of the things that's easy to to miss here, and and I found this little nugget as I was preparing for our time together, but what Paul is talking about here is not simply the sword of the written word, but even more so what he's talking about is the sword of the spoken word. When God gives us the opportunity, based upon what the circumstance may be, that we speak the word. And the word of God does... As, as God in his sovereignty and his goodness put this together, the words of God do what no other words could ever do. The word of God literally strikes to the core of our souls. The writer of Hebrews said this, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any, see where he's coming from? Sharper than any what? Than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart christian let me ask you a a question and i don't mean it rhetorically and and some of this is going to go back to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago but let me ask you this in all sincerity Do you truly, truly believe in the power of the Word of God? You don't have to answer. Because this is yet another if-then proposition. Because when I ask you that question, do you truly believe in the power of the Word of God? If you truly believe that to be so, then saints, we've got to use it. The sword, the scriptures aren't doing us any good when they are sitting on a shelf collecting dust. The sword isn't doing us any good even when we have it here. If it's not here and here and if we're not applying the word in our life. What did, what did Caleb say last week? I'm going to paraphrase what Caleb said last week. Caleb, you can tell me if I'm wrong or not. I think it's something like this. The devil doesn't care how much you read the Bible. You can read the Bible till the cows come home. The question is, are you going to apply it in your own life? Caleb, did I get that right, brother? I think I did. And so with the right heart and the right mind, for all the right reasons, not from a place of legalism, but because it is literally the breathed-out Word of God, we read it. And we study it and we meditate on it and we memorize it and we speak it and we speak it. As formidable as our enemy is, he falls. He cannot stand the slice of the sword of the spirit. Saints, we got to use it. In the right times, for all of the right reasons, we advance, we take ground. Let's look at the last three verses as we begin to wrap this up. Stay with me now. Look how Paul ends this. He's given us these six pieces of the armor, and then he says this. He says, praying at all times in the Spirit. Capital S again. Praying at all times in the Spirit the Spirit, through the Spirit, in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit with all prayer and with all supplication. To that end, he says, keep alert with all what? Perseverance, with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. Let's not forget, Paul is in a Roman prison. He's writing this letter to the church at Ephesus and he's saying, keep me in your prayer that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am literally an ambassador in chains, one more time, that I may declare it, so he is speaking it, not just reading it, but speaking it, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And remember, he's in a Roman prison surrounded by Roman guards. And he's praying that God would give him the confidence and would give him the boldness to speak when he has the opportunity. And so what we get here is this not-so-secret weapon, I would say the seventh piece of this armor, which is prayer. Again, so simple and yet so profound. So simple. That it's easy to forget. It's easy to take it for granted. But prayer is what pulls it all together. And so Paul is closing out this portion of the letter about what he knew to be uh, so true and so important. And that is that we cover ourselves in prayer with the full armor on, the sword of the spirit, we cover ourselves in prayer as we go out into the battlefield. And saints, listen, we go out onto that battlefield in prayer on our knees. I cannot underscore this enough. We literally fight the... Let Let me say this. Saints, you cannot beyond the spiritual battlefield and expect to win the battles apart from prayer. And so we pray. And I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. We're going to pray for our children here in in just a bit. It's awesome that we bring our kids to church. It's awesome that that we bring our kids to Crosswalk on Wednesdays, or, or, or we bring them and we have them get plugged into Anchor Student Ministries that Matthew Meldrum here leads. It, it, it's awesome that, that we are out there on the soccer field with them and we're overseeing their activities and their academics, and all of those things are great and wonderful. But, Saints, if we're not every day praying for our children and grandchildren and children yet to come, we're missing it. There is power in prayer, and because there is power in prayer, we pray. We fight the battle on our knees in prayer, for whatever the situation may be, or whoever the person may be. Saints, I'm going to ask you to go home. I don't have time to go into it in detail, but I want you to go, here's your homework for the day, go home and read slowly verses 18 through 20. If you go through and read verses 18 through 20, okay, here's what you're going to see that our prayers, are. here's what Paul says about our prayers, I'm going to go through this, these with you real quick, but I want you to take some time to dig into this, okay, you will see our prayers are this, spirit-directed, See that in the the text? They're spirit-directed. The spirit leads us and guides us. I believe it's Romans chapter 8 where Paul says uh, 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 that when we don't know what even to pray for, that the spirit intercedes on our behalf. So our prayers are spirit-directed. Our spirits are continual. They never stop. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. They never stop. We pray at all times of the day. We pray in the morning. We pray as as the Lord, as the Spirit leads us to different things that pop in our minds. We pray to end the day, but we are to pray without ceasing. Our prayers are continual. Saints, our prayers are varied is what the text says. It means we have the privilege of praying to the God of the universe for the great big things, jobs and marriages and and, and children and grandchildren and all the big things. But say, if what Scripture says is true, and it is, God is interested in every facet of our life. That means he's interested in the great big things, but it also means he's interested in the tiny little things. The little things of life. That's how personal he is. So our prayers are varied. Dig into this text and you'll see that what Paul is saying to us is that our prayers are persistent. And some of you have had prayers for an individual or or a certain situation, not not for days or weeks or months, for years. Plural years. You've been crying out to God. For years. God, can you hear me? Do you even know I'm alive? I'm in, I'm in week, you know, year 17 of this thing. Man, I'll never forget Bill and Bob Brody. For them, some of you were here, that Bill and Jan had been praying for Bill's brother Bob for fifty years, fifty years, and what four years ago, a simple altar call, altar call and Bill walked down, and Jesus became his savior after fifty years. And so we pray and we pray, even when we feel like giving up, we pray some more. And our prayers are intercessory. Intercessory prayers. Man, I'm really good at praying for myself. I can pray for myself till the cows come home. But we have the great privilege of praying for others. And so we pray. Say, let me tell you something. We say this every Sunday. Matt'll say it again at the end of our time together. That the prayer requests that you you give to us, we take those seriously. We pray individually over every single one. Three groups of people, our staff prays over them every single Monday. Our prayer team prays over them during the week, and so do our elders. That's intercessory prayer. We get to lift up prayers on behalf of others. Saints, prayer is what brings it all together. We put on the armor. We armor ourselves up. We prepare ourselves. We grab the sword of the Spirit and out into the battle we go. But we cannot go into the battle apart from prayer. So I'm going to ask uh, Tasha Katzenbach to come up. For those of you who don't know Tasha, she uh, leads our women's ministry, Life Group Ministries. And we thought that we would end this little series within a series with a little bit uh, extended time of prayer and worship. Thanks for joining us today. I really hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like more information on Crossroads Community Church, you can check out our website at crossroadsconnect.net. And if you are ever in our area, we would love to have you visit us in person at 3003 South Eola Road right here in Aurora, Illinois. I hope you have a great week and I look forward to having you join us again next week as we continue our series in the book of Ephesians, Walking in the Light.